This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Welcome to a new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have had a busy week. It's February. We've turned the calendar in 2021. And that means it's Black History Month. So happy Black History Month to everyone. And we also just celebrated National Girls and Women in Sports Day on Wednesday, February 3rd. Of course, we are a women's sports podcast. Big important day for um, all of us. So uh, we had the opportunity to highlight girls and women. Um, Tarika and I were excited to reshare a podcast that we did last summer um, in partnership with the Women's Sports Foundation and Billie Jean King around Title IX and um, young girls of color. So we hope that you enjoy that little educational piece, little bonus piece. But this week is just crazy. So we've got you covered on this episode, both with WNBA free agency as well as college basketball. Um, as far as WNBA free agency is concerned, this is, will be our first episode really even starting to have this discussion. So we're not going to go deep today, but we do have a very um, fruitful conversation with Ben Dull of Windsider, who is going to take us through just really some of the major moves. If you don't hear your team talked about today, we will get to them eventually. We'll also talk about some of the gossip behind these moves um, in coming weeks. But today we are just updating Folks, for those that don't know who's gone where, what we might see happening, um, you know, Ben does a great job, so we appreciate all his work. And also, shout out to everyone who is working the free agency line. I mean, it has been great to see all of the <clears throat> sources that are making announcements about signings. Um, Christina Williams, Rachel Galligan, Howard Megdal, Michelle Vopel, um, Ariel Chambers, so many different women's basketball outlets that are working really hard um, to make sure that we know what's happening right now, free agency, her hoop stats. Um, and I'm mentioning all these names because I may not be able to get to them later in our section, but we have been grabbing some information from her hoop stats, from WNBA.com, from ESPN Research to help us just kind of keep a pulse on everything. And I'll be honest, with women's college basketball, it's been hard to um, really – dive deep into WNBA salary cap and all those other things. So we're really happy to have Ben Dull and we'll have more guests coming up in the next few weeks that will uh, keep us updated on everything that is happening. But just as an overview before we do get to um, our WNBA section, here are a few things you may want to know. So a core player basically gives team's exclusive negotiating right with the player. So you will see that tag on Neka Gumake. You see it on Liz Cambage. So that means that those team, those players, in most cases, aren't really going anywhere. And they can only be cored, I believe it's three times in their career. So for example, from what I understand, Candace Parker had been cored the max number of times. Um, and so that wasn't an option for L.A. to try to keep her there. Some examples of that would have been NECA, uh, Natasha Howard, Liz Cambage. 
Now, restricted free agency gives the player's prior team the right to sign the player by matching a contract offer from another team. So basically, that team has the first right of refusal. An unrestricted free agent is free to sign with any team provided that she is not designated as a core player by the prior team. So with that, just to catch you up on big picture, and again, we'll dive into some of this with Ben later in the show. Danielle Robinson has signed with the Indiana Fever. Chelsea Gray goes from L.A. to Las Vegas. Erica Wheeler signed with L.A. from Indiana. New York signed last season's most improved player in Benaja Laney. Um, Joyner Holmes was signed to a training camp contract with New York. Latoya Sanders um, signed a contract with the Washington Mystics. Alyssa Thomas is going to be in Connecticut on a multi-year deal. We send our thoughts and prayers to Alyssa, who has um, an Achilles injury, so we are Likely not going to see her this summer. Uh, Natalia Chanwa going from the Fever to the Minnesota Lynx. Kayla McBride going from Vegas to Minnesota. Candace Parker, um, which will be the headliner in our conversation, uh, going from L.A. to Chicago. Dierica Hamby did sign a contract extension. Epiphany Prince re-signed with Seattle. Uh, Diana Tarazi will stay in Phoenix. Uh, Alicia Clark from Seattle to Washington. Big move there. Uh, Cheyenne Parker to the Atlanta Dream. Alicia Gray did sign a multi-year deal with the Dallas Wings. And Jantel Lavender to the Indiana Fever. Um, so that is what we know of as of today. There's some other things swirling around. But as far as the official transaction page on the WNBA website, that is what's on the books. I do know that Jasmine Thomas has signed a multi-year deal um, as of the release of this podcast. And we will keep you updated with more. Now, as far as our college basketball conversation today, we've got Debbie Antonelli joining. And we are going to talk, okay, who's number one now? Louisville's lost. South Carolina's on the hunt. NC State has knocked out their second number one team. UConn is going to play South Carolina on Monday. Huge game. Um, So that's a part of this conversation as well, even though the rankings will have already come out by then. And we also talked to Debbie about her player of the year candidate. And last but not least, we will recap that Louisville-NC State matchup and everything we learned. Always great to have Debbie on the show. We hope that you enjoy. You already know that when we bring Debbie Antonelli on this show, we are going to get into the nitty gritty of women's college basketball because no one does it better than Debbie. So we are excited to have you on the show today, Deb. How's it going? Thank you, LaChina. It's so kind. Everything's going great. Thank you for asking. I hope things are going well with you and Tarika. Yes, everything is going well with Tarika and I, and they're going very well because we get to invite you on to talk about a number of things. Now, let's start with your NC State Wolfpack, who, (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say shock the world because I think we all knew what they were capable of, some of us, but on Monday, big Monday, they travel into Louisville coming off of a loss to Virginia Tech, which they lost without Elisa Kunane. We'll get to her in a moment as well. Um, but they shocked the number one team in the Yum Center, which is not easy to do with Jeff Wall's crew. Even though they're limited in fans, it's still um, a tough place to win. But your Wolfpack 
pulled off the victory, beating their second number one team this season, keeping in mind they beat South Carolina earlier in the year. Uh, beating two number one teams has only been done now three times in the last 20 years. What stood out to you in that matchup between Louisville and NC State, and what kind of implications do you think it has for both of those teams moving forward? Well, first of all, it was a huge win for NC State to go into Louisville. We know how tough it is to go in there, even when they only have uh, you know 30% capacity or whatever it is that environment is. That's a tough place to win. Uh, and Jeff Walls always has a team that's prepared. He has a game plan. You know, um, he's got talented players that are going to be ready to play. And they had been playing much better, um, survived a couple of tough games, close wins. Then they put the hammer on North Carolina. So I knew Louisville was playing some of their best basketball. And we weren't sure about Elisa Cunane. We didn't know how many minutes she could play. We didn't know where she, her health was. Westmore had remarked to me, 80% of Elisa Cunane is better than 100% of some players, which is an amen, because that's true. Uh, and and uh, I think we, we saw an NC State team that we've been talking about in the ACC for a while. Very balanced, multiple weapons, better on the defensive end than we talk about. Cunane is the axis. Everything runs through and to her. And then, you know, all the pieces like, you know, LaChina, I mean, I'm always talking about like Kayla Jones is not just a stretch three. I define her as a hybrid four. You know, she can, she can pick and pop and stretch, but the difference between a hybrid four and a stretch four is a hybrid four can make decisions with a ball in their hands. They can put it on the deck. They have size. They can invert to the block. She does all of that. She's high level thinker, high IQ. She can make shots, make plays. And I think that's a part of her game that a lot of people don't recognize or realize how valuable that is to NC State. Like last year at the end of the season, she was balling. Well, all the other players were getting uh, credit. Ace was knocking threes and Kanane was owning the paint and Kayla was doing her thing. And then Jakia Brown-Turner, I think before she graduates, I know she's going to be an All-American. She should be in the conversation this year. I mean, I have her in my top 20 Wooden list. I have her in my top 30 Naismith list. And then Perez is better than we thought she was going to be. We didn't have any idea that she was going to have that kind of temperament. And she's brought an incredible balance to the way they do things. She answers what I love to call the three W's, who to get the ball to, when and where. She leads the league in assist turnover ratio. That's just invaluable to have your point guard do those things. So NC State played their best basketball, is starting to play their best basketball, even with Cunane still working their way, her way back in. Yeah, we didn't know what to expect from NC State. It felt like they were gone forever. And probably because they're a top five team in the country, everyone's like, okay, when are they going to be off of this COVID protocol? We're watching the watch. Right. And, you know, shout out to the ACC and to ESPN for making sure that this NC State versus Louisville game made it back to prime time because we didn't, it didn't have to happen at all. But going back to what you said about the team, it's so interesting because Westmore always says he recruits offense but his teams are way underrated defensively. I always think of them as offensive teams first, but you know, you let coach Westmore, I mean, he, he's got a pretty talented group in terms of how they score the basketball. But on Monday night, Jakia Brown Turner had 16 points. Elisa Kunane had 16. Um, Raina Perez had 15 points, was three for seven from the field. Uh, Jada Boyd had 16 points and nine rebounds. I, I think you go back to her meniscus injury and you got to thank, thank goodness for the Wolfpack that it was not as serious as they thought it might have been at one point. But the turning point in this game really seemed to come in the fourth quarter. 
um, where the Wolfpack just went on a run and outscored Louisville 25 to 16 in that frame. How, how does Louisville now get better from this, Deb? Well, I, I think this is a good learning opportunity for both. You know, I heard Raina Perez this morning on Packer and Durham talking about how, you know, before the bus even pulled into Reynolds Coliseum on their trip back, West goes to the back of the bus and says to the whole team, you know, well, I watched the first half and well, we still won, you know? So it's, it's kind of like, you know, his, his mentality get better is the same as Jeff or any other coach that, you know, NC State didn't handle the pressure well, the ball pressure uh, late when Mikasa Robinson made a, a nuisance of herself and NC State didn't handle that well. They've got certainly plenty of things to work on there. I don't ever remember a Louisville team minus 15 on the glass for a game. I'm sure that was a discussion that that Jeff had with his team. I mean, look, they're both playing really good basketball. I still think they have another level. You know, they're both playing elite they're one of a few teams that are elite in, in our game. You know, there's some really good teams, but then there's some elite. And um, I think, um, you know, they'll both learn and grow from that. And, and I think, you know, NC State, it's not just that they have beaten two number ones on the road. It's also they've come back in two other games down double digits in the fourth quarter. So that kind of edge, you know, gives you a little confidence late. And I think the more times you're in game duress under game pressure to make plays and make shots, the better that prepares you for March. And so I, I think that's where NC state is. And I certainly think Louisville is there as well. Yeah. Jeff actually brought that up with us one day about pressure shots and how, you know, we talked about Dana Evans, who was a, <laughs> did everything she could in the waning moments of that game. She had 29 points overall, but she and Mikasa Robinson tried to turn the bus over in, in the latter minutes of that one. But he talked about how Dana is just a player that knows how to make pressure shots. We've seen her dig some games out of the trenches at Wake Forest is one that comes to mind. Another game where they were um, out rebounded. But, you know, when you think about some of players like, he mentioned Kiana Smith. She's still learning what pressure, what it may, means to make pressure shots. And Haley Van Lith is only a freshman. And, you know, they've got a lot of more younger pieces or younger or new pieces that they're relying on, I think, than NC State. Um, but it is odd, as you mentioned, for Louisville to get out rebounded and also for them to only have one player in double figures. I still believe that Kiana Smith's ankle injury is, is nagging and, and has not allowed her to get back to full speed and has kind of changed the lineups and the rotations for Jeff Walls. Now, uh, before we get to our next topic, which is who's going to be number one, let's first hear from Holly Rowe, who caught up with Elisa Kunane after the big win over number one. You're known for your big smile, but it's even bigger tonight as you knock off the number one team in America. You haven't played in almost a month. How were you able to go out and be so effective? 16 points in 30 minutes coming back from COVID. I mean, coaches and players just told me that I needed to make up for lost time, and they all helped me come back this week and get stronger, get back in shape. So we were ready for it, and we prepared for this. Louisville tried to make it hard down the stretch. They pull within single digits, and you said, no, not right now. You went in for a very tough basket. What was your mindset? Uh, I just knew that they are trapping on the wings and that the post was wide open. They had a small lineup in there to have some shooters in there, so the post was open, and teammates got the ball up the court and fed me the ball. I know you didn't play, but your team had their first loss last week. How important was this kind of answer of we're a good team and we're going to get right back to our winning ways? Yeah, I mean, that loss, some of us said we kind of needed it, you know, just to get back on track. And 
you, hey, to be the best, you got to beat the best. So we came out here and we showed what we can do. I thought one of the most important parts for your team tonight was defense. How do you describe the defensive DNA of this team? We, we knew we had to have energy coming in here. You know, defense turns into offense. We had transition in the beginning of the game, which really led us through the first half. Um, we knew that Louisville had great shooters, great offensive teams. So we just had to get back and put our energy into defense, and we did. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Knocking off the number one team in the country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Holly Rowe with Elisa Kunane. And before we move forward, Debbie, I do want to mention to fans, as much as they love Around the Rim, there is a podcast that has come along that is just blowing us out of the water with its women's basketball coverage. And it's hosted by the one and only Debbie Antonelli. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and how fans can um, check it out. Well, like you, LaChana, I mean, we love the game, right? And we're just trying to share our passion. And for all the research and study that we do, there's not a lot of platforms that you can go to share that. So I just decided that, you know, because of the pandemic and we're not traveling, I felt like I might have a little more time. And uh, I have really enjoyed interviewing coaches and players. I've even interviewed some moms. I've had Pepper Persley on, who I know is a friend of yours and mine, a little nine-year-old uh, whippersnapper who just we absolutely love. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to do some interesting things or talk about things that I'm interested in and then just hope that people, you know, want to share the passion with us. But that's what it is. Players, coaches, and, you know, just trying to promote our game. And the other thing I do is I've got these little vignettes that I put out on players that I call them ticket selling player packages where I put three clips together, throw some telestration on it. And uh, I obviously have somebody that produces all this and does this for me, but I think it's fun to, to do that, to help, promote the game, promote the players and get people to watch, you know, that that's what we're trying to do. Ultimately the out added value that we bring on these podcasts that we think we're bringing should help promote the game and grow ratings and maybe give us something to sell. Absolutely. Debbie, I agree with you hundred percent. So you can follow Debbie at Debbie Antonelli on her Twitter to see this wonderful work she is doing and your podcast is available where you can get it all the places that you get podcasts, nothing but net with Debbie Antonelli. Thank you, LaChina. We love it. All right. So the new, the question is who will be the new number one? So Louisville was ranked number one overall in the AP poll as of last week. Um, and, you know, I wasn't too happy about this, but I get it. NC State took a little bit more of a slide than I feel like they should have after losing to Virginia Tech without Elisa Kunane. But they were number four this this week overall. So Louisville was number one. South Carolina was number two. UConn was three. NC State was four. And UCLA, five. So who's the new number one, Debbie? Well, that's the AP poll. And mine went Louisville one, South Carolina two, NC State three, UConn four. So I didn't slide NC State to that fourth spot like everyone else. So I'm not jumping them really over three teams. I'm jumping them over two teams the two teams that were number one that they've beaten. So I'm putting NC State at number one. I'll probably leave South Carolina at number two. And I hope we get a chance to talk about them for a minute. And then uh, I'm not sure about three and four yet. It'll be a combination of Louisville and Connecticut, depending on what happens um, the rest of the week. So there's a lot still left to, to see. And if you haven't seen Stanford and UCLA yet, boy, you got to keep your eye on them because they're good as well. Yeah, I, I, with you, had Louisville number one, South Carolina two, NC State three. I actually had UCLA four after Connecticut 
uh, lost to Arkansas, and then I had Stanford in that number six spot. I think NC State's going to be my number one overall team. Um, I do, and I'm, we can talk about South Carolina now. I think South Carolina is a very different team from when they first played NC State and lost to them. I think it would be a, a, even more of a battle if these two teams played again. But NC State has been my consistent number one team all season since Stanford lost. I only dropped them because they lost to Virginia Tech, but it was without Kunain. So I didn't even feel 100% great about that. What are you seeing with the Gamecocks? Well, I asked this question yesterday because I was curious. They have won 28 straight SEC games. And I think that's an impressive number uh, because it's impressive because the league is good. And then I wanted to know how many of those were ranked teams. So I asked their SID, Diana Koval. She came back with 13 of the 28 in the streak are against ranked opponents. Well, to me, that's impressive. Uh, and, and you're right. This is a different team now. Aaliyah Boston is what I would call probably to me, really the only player in our game right now that you have to two-way prepare for on both sides of the ball. So on the defensive side, when she's playing D, you got to get her in pick and roll. You got to pull her away from the basket. You might have changed some of the things that you do offensively because you got to get her out of the lane and you got to get her way out of the lane because she's so good at recovering, helping, blocking shots. She's a beast on that end. The other side of it on the offensive end, because she's so balanced in her game now, she stretched it out. She can shoot the three. We know what she does on the block. Uh, I think you got to figure out ways to push her off, make her a passer, not let her get comfortable, make her shoot face-up shots versus back to the basket, left or right finishes. You know, she's so good. So I'm not sure there's any players that you have to do that in our women's game right now. I think she separates herself by that definition. And I think that's part of the reason why South Carolina is so good. She's got an incredible personality. They play with great energy. Uh, you know, and of course, Coach Staley does a fantastic job putting them in a position to win. Yeah, I mean, when you look at you went you talked about the ranked opponents, right? I mean, overall, and this was as of I guess they just played Mississippi State on 128. So I don't know if that was the last ranked team they played, but six and one overall against ranked teams. NC State was that only loss. And against ranked teams, Aaliyah Boston is averaging 14 points per game, 11 rebounds, um, has 29 blocks in those seven games, and is shooting above um, her average in field goal percentage versus ranked opponents. So she's at 50%. Um, that's the one thing that's going to keep South Carolina probably moving on my, on my poll is you can't deny the number of ranked wins at the end of the day. And that's what NC state does not have. And so when you look at the sec versus the ACC, there's more opportunities for South Carolina to ascend to that number one spot. Obviously they've got the big game against Connecticut coming up. And if they beat Connecticut, Deb, they may knock off NC state at the top of my rankings. I'm not saying that yet, but I'm just, yeah. I'm putting it out there. We'll have to see. You know, I, I mean, I've been taking a step further, like with all the scheduling and everything that's coming up with China. You know, I look at it like this, like, OK, NC State's played Louisville and South Carolina. They have not played UConn, which means they will be on the same side of the bracket as UConn in the NCAA tournament, even though we're on an S curve. Can I hear the high C? Finally, <laughs> we got an S curve. Okay, we're, ma we're making steps towards, you know, what, as you know, I, yes. I think would be really important for our game. The S curve is a big deal, but they'll 
they can manipulate the S curve so that that will happen. I don't think uh, NC State will will see Louisville or South Carolina uh, in the NCAA tournament, which might be a good thing. Now, UConn, that's not like any gift or anything like that, but at least you don't have to deal with South Carolina. Or, and Louisville, they'll probably see again. So yeah. um, from that perspective, that, that's kind of interesting uh, to see how they'll see the S curve. And I don't want to dive into all that, but I'm just glad we're not talking about the G curve this year. The geography curve. It's not a part of our vocabulary this year, LaChina. Yes, Amen. thank goodness. And I know you had a great podcast with Nina King, who is the chair of the Women's Basketball Committee. So check that out on Debbie's podcast. Might hear some insight on how selection is going to happen this year. Before we let you go, Deb, we have to talk quickly player of the year, your top five candidates. Now I'm going to throw mine out there and you can tell me what you think. Um, since I've been putting you on the hot seat first, I've got Nas Hillman, Aaliyah Boston, Ari McDonald, Ryan Howard, and Dana Evans. Who's on your top five? My top five would be in no specific order, Aaliyah Boston, Dana Evans, Ryan Howard. I like Haley Jones out at Stanford. And then, um, I mean, I think Charisma Osborne at UCLA is making a little case for it. Now, I'm not saying she's going to be player of the year, but I think you got to look at, you know, Michaela Onyewede is usually the one that gets all the credit out there, but um, I, I'm, I'm putting Charisma in the conversation. Uh, and then I think, um, I think Nas Hillman is a really good pick. I think she's been terrific. You know, I, you, this interesting you say that about Charisma because I don't know that I've, I've paid as close attention to her uh, play as I have, I used to as I have recently. Um, she is so good. She is so smooth. I mean, she is a playmaker and can score with such ease. I'm right there with you. I think when you really get down to it, and and Michaela Onyenwede has amazing stats, but Charisma Osborne, I think, has been their better player, um, at least their more important player in terms of her contributions. You know what you're going to get with Onyenwede, but Charisma Osborne coming along has been very impressive. And I like that list, Debbie. Um what else? I think that's it. I thought we were going to have something to like argue about it with oh. your picks, but we almost have the same list. We don't have anything to argue about. I, I, you, we, all, we never argue. <laughs> well, debate. I think debate, debate is healthy. You know, I like to go back and forth and have a little, you know, like, hey, this is what I think. Well, this is what I think. I think it's good for the game, you know? What do you think about the ACC race with, between Dana Evans and Elisa Kunane? Oh man, I think Dana Evans is in her own race right now, Deb. You know, it's going to take a lot to knock her off the top spot for me. And what I, what does it for me is that I feel like Kanane, NC State is so balanced. You know, I have trouble telling you who what player was most important at what time, right? Because for, for a moment this season, I was like, well, Kayla Jones is NC State's best player. I mean, there was a stretch where Kanane struggled a little bit. Um, but no doubt, Elisa Kunane's in the conversation. I just think she has more help than Dana Evans. Dana Evans is carrying two freshmen. You know, freshmen don't know what they're doing, Debbie. Yeah. She's carrying two freshmen on their back. She's got a transfer from, from Cal. She's getting acclimated, uh, trying to get the most out of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Dixon. You know, Balgoon has started to come along and give her some help, and Robinson's pretty dependable, but Dana Evans is the glue holding that team together. For them to ascend to number one, with all those moving pieces and all the credit to Jeff Wall's group, I just think Dana Evans is in her own conversation for ACC Play of the Year right now. I usually defer to guards or people that have to make more decisions or handle the ball, not just shoot it, but the things that Dana's doing. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation, but I, I'm, I'm uh, 
I'm excited that you included me, LaChina. I love coming on here. Um, and uh, I appreciate all your help with my podcast. I've had you on once, but I'm going to get you on again. And uh, we uh, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Just keep pushing it forward. Keep pushing it. Just what a, keep pushing. What a day to talk about it on National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And Deb, if you wouldn't mind just for a moment sharing with us, what has sport meant to your life? Oh, gosh, sport means everything to us. Not only staying healthy and and fit, but, you know, it's an outlet for helping raise my three boys, you know, and, and including them. I've always said, I want all my three kids to be happy, healthy, and included and included has always meant being a part of a team. And uh, when I think about national girls and women in sport day, I think about um, my first time going into Reynolds Coliseum as a, an eighth grade girl sitting on the railing in Reynolds and seeing KEL coach these teams and these women I didn't know women played basketball in college and I didn't know you could get a scholarship to do it. And when I learned that in eighth grade, that's when I decided that that is what I wanted to do, even though I played multiple sports. So that message is about exposing kids to opportunity and giving them a chance to play and being on a team is so important because for the rest of your life, you're always going to be on a team. We're on a team at ESPN. You know, I'm a, I have a team here at home with my family. Um, you're always a part of a team and, and that requires some sacrifice and some, you know, some empathy and understanding, some compassion, some hard work, understanding what your role is. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And that's what Girls and Women in Sports Day means to me. And uh, I, I feel so fortunate that I've always had a chance to play. My first team was Little League Baseball. <laughs> You're absolutely right, though, Deb. Like, it's the team aspect of things that makes life worth it. I was on a call with some of my teammates. Um, we had a legacy call for Wake Forest last weekend, and players all the way back to the very beginning, some of my teammates were there. We shared laugh. We have obviously had similar um, experiences while we were at Wake Forest in sport, outside of sport. It was just a fantastic time. But I think at the end of the day, um, the work that people like you do, um, help us to continue to live through sport. And what I mean by that is my basketball career at Wake Forest was going to come to an end. Um, and there was nowhere for me to go after that. And to see you and Beth Moens come to the gym <laughs> for every shoot around and to see that you were still living a dream past your days of NC State calling, calling not just basketball, but women's basketball, amplifying our sport, giving us visibility, you gave so many of us a vision for what we could be. So we're still women and girls in sports, even though our days on the court are over. So yes. we appreciate you so much for that. Well, thank you. That is very kind of you to say, and I appreciate everything you do. And I will never forget the time that I brought Frankie with me <laughs> on a trip when he was in first or second grade. And uh, we, you were on the road at Florida State. And I had him with me and I was talking to a coach and I turned around and, and there you are over there and Frankie's organized you and everyone else to play Simon Says and your whole team played with him. <laughs> it was just amazing. Well, and it's great too, Deb, that you have a house full of boys that appreciate women's basketball. So that aspect, let's not forget about the young boys as well, because they grow up to be men. And um, I know your guys have an appreciation for our sport because of the time they spent around it and because of the work you do. And that's just as important. So thank you for your time today and um, for all that you do. Thanks, LaChina. Thank you so much. <laughs>
All right, basketball fans, we promised you that we would um, get to WNBA free agency. Uh, free agents were allowed to sign starting February 1st, so we are a couple days late. However, boy, um, I feel like free agency started like a week and a half ago with some of the leaks that we've seen in the media. And I do want to say just starting out, we won't get to credit everyone for who had the word first, but shout out to Rachel Galligan and um, – Ariel Chambers and Christina and Howard and all the people, Michelle Vopel, um, who are working double time during college women's basketball season to cover the WNBA with all the breaking news. Um, and speaking of working overtime, I, I don't know that there's a harder working man in all of all of college and WNBA women's basketball than our next guest. Um, we met several years ago and this guy just had a genuine passion for the women's game, wanted to grow it. Um, he's done that in every way that he's been able to. I love his telestrations. It's probably the favorite thing of mine when he does his video breakdowns of different players um, on his Twitter handle, but he is all smothered and covered and what's happening right now in free agency. So please join me in welcoming Ben Dull to the show. If you don't know Ben, he does some work for Winsider right now. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Ben underscore Dull. He's the man. What's up, Ben? Well, China, thank you. I'm speechless. I uh, It's downhill from here after that intro. I got to clip that and just <laughs> play it on a speaker whenever I walk into a room now. Hey, man, you deserve it. Like, seriously, one thing Tariq and I believe in is really highlighting people that are doing work in, in our game to grow it, to cover it the right way. And you've done it, like, seriously, in, in ways that, um, you know, I, I think we're missing in our sport, but also with a very um, diligent work ethic. Like, I just respect what you do. So let's jump into WNBA because... <laughs> The winds are blowing in Chicago and the winds have blown in one Candace Parker after 13 seasons with the LA Sparks. Candace Parker, former Lady Vol, is now on the move to Chicago. Ben, I looked at the numbers for Candace. 190K in 2021, 195K in 2022. What? Why? Why, why does it seem like Candace has decided to make this move? That's a, I mean, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, Chicago was a natural place for people to point to, right? Just the, this idea of going home, would that, how much would that appeal to Candace? Would that factor in a decision? And obviously the basketball part of it, you figure it'd be pretty important. And they've got a good team since James Wade took over and really that pivotal first season for them to at least prove that they could get to the playoffs and then a, a sneaky, important off season for him keeping that team that they had together. And now they're in this position where they have one of the best point guards in the league and Courtney Vandersloot, an all-star caliber shooting guard, but they also have really exciting young players that are going to be on the rise. Diamond to shields, Azrae Stevens, even more players off the bench. So I'm sure, you know, Candace has touched on the homecoming aspect of it too, but also still wanting to win a championship. And that those seem like two pretty important boxes to check. Yes, uh, we should note that Candace is from Naperville, Illinois. Um, and so she is going home and, and did cite that as something that she has always kind of kept in the back of her mind. But looking at Chicago, 
You mentioned all of those pieces. Will Wade be able to keep everyone together from last season? I know Cheyenne Parker has made the move to Atlanta. Is that the only thing that need to happen or that we may see happen for the sky? Yeah, that's that's the thing to kind of wait on here with Chicago and, and with the whole league, right? Because we haven't seen any trades yet. So is that going to factor in here? If you just look at what they have right now, if you have Kalia Copper possibly coming off the bench, if Diamond to Shields is back and full strength for the whole season, that's a tremendous luxury. You really covered there. Also having Gabby Williams, really the one thing you wonder is just what are they going to do at backup point guard? That was a little bit of a, a weak spot for them this past season. And then up front, you mentioned Cheyenne Parker going to Atlanta. They've got Ruthie Hebert, Stephanie Mavunga, and then Steph Dolson, who had been a starter for them. That's really you know, the one question there, are you starting Azure and Candice? Do you bring Steph on the bench? And then again, do they possibly uh, end up making another move, maybe in terms of a trade? We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that they got this done, Candace is obviously not on any super max contract. I mean, 190 is pretty modest for her, I would say, is coming off a defensive player of the year appointment. I don't understand the cap as much as I probably need to. So I've been following along on her hoop stats to uh, get a little bit more knowledge on that. So I don't even know if more money was available to her. But what I do know is that this team is stacked and just Diamond to Shields and Candace Parker on the same team alone is enough to get me excited. And then you add to that Courtney Vandersloot and we see how close this team has been to being um I mean, we all thought they should have been in the championship last year and they were honestly been one player short. And now that they have Candace Parker, not only does she get them over the hump, she is the hump. Like she is taking them to the next level, in my opinion. So huge move. Now let's talk about a couple of the other moving pieces. Um, and we're really only going to reflect on things that are have gone final. So there are some things still swirling around, but in other news, uh, Dierica Hamby signed an extension with Vegas. Diana Tarazi signed a two-year deal with Phoenix. Jantel Lavender did sign with the Fever. Epiphany Prince with the Storm. Alicia Clark to Washington is an interesting move to me because I think that is a, a great, great addition to the Mystics who already have Elena Deladon. Um, you know, they already have Natasha Cloud. Now, there are some question marks about when and Emma Miesemann is going to join the team. She hasn't signed quite yet, so that's in flux. She has her Belgian national team obligations. And then Tina Charles has not signed yet, though we do expect her to sign with Washington. They did have to say goodbye to Ariel Powers. It seemed like they may have been waiting for Powers a little while too long and decided to go for Clark. But what an inc incredible player Alicia Clark is, fitting into their system with her three-point shot as well as her defense. What may still be in the mix right now for the Washington Mystics? I think this one might be pretty matter of fact. You just want to, you want to finalize a deal for Natasha Cloud who can only negotiate with the Mystics and with Tina Charles, which you already alluded to. You, you take care of that. You've, you've already got Latoya Sanders back. You've got Aisha Hines Allen now back with this full team after she emerged last season. And it's looking like you'd have Alicia Clark starting next to Ariel Atkins. So Maybe what they, maybe how the bench kind of takes shape. Maybe there's one, maybe there ends up being a second spot available, but that'll, they, they've, uh, they've got some big, big salary players there. So that'll be, you know, that'll be a, they'll do what they can there, but th they're going to be stacked. I do think that Emma Miesemann's flux 
really makes Tina Charles that much more important. But also stylistically, it's going to be interesting to see how they play with Tina versus Emma and how that all works out because we remember Washington style being that spread the floor. They were very different last year, don't get me wrong, and Maisha Hines-Allen and that group. I mean, it was a brilliant season for Coach Tebow. They had quite a year, but could be a very different team. Christy Tolliver no longer there. I'm interested to see how the pieces go together, but at the end of the day, they got the pieces. That's what counts in free agency. All right, so moving along. We do expect Sue Bird to be signing back at some point with Seattle. What is going on there with Sue Bird that she actually hasn't signed on the dotted line yet? Maybe that's a that's a matter of of Sue possibly extending an olive branch to the the front office there, saying, "Hey, maybe I'll wait and possibly give up give up some money there." You know, you had touched on the the max salary earlier. Like Candace signing with Chicago, that's the most she could sign with outright with a new team as a free agent where to have gotten that higher one, you'd have to be as part of a sign and trade a la what we saw with like Dewana Bonner last off season. Oh, see, that's what we need to add this free, <laughs> this cap education, Ben, go ahead. So then with Sue, if she's resigning with, when you're resigning with your current team, you can, that's also a way you can be eligible for that higher max salary. So maybe that's, maybe that's a part of it of what are we doing here? Obviously they're trying to react here after losing Alicia Clark. So that's really one of the biggest questions I would say right now, hanging over the league, how do they just fill out their rotation and maybe what, what are their backup plans here? And maybe that maybe Sue, maybe Sue kind of stepped in there and that's a part of it where possibly they might be able to spend some, spend some money as necessary to, uh, to adjust their free agency plans here. And correct me if I'm wrong, Natasha Howard is all buttoned up, correct? Uh, we haven't heard anything on on that front. Natasha Howard was cord, as was Liz Cambage, but we haven't heard anything official or or any reporting on on either player. Ah, very interesting. But they are cord. So for our listeners, that means that they basically are staying put unless someone forces their way out or they're a part of a trade. Am I correct, Ben? Those are the only scenarios where they could be moved. Right. For for all we know. There's nothing to it. If something happens, we'd obviously find out and, and you laid out the, the conditions of what would have to happen there. All interesting things. Um, according to WNBA.com, NECA Gumake has been extended and it says that Natasha Howard was extended as of January 31st. Um, there were some people that made some moves earlier. Again, we're just talking about things that have become official. And then let's see what else. I'm concerned about Indiana. Now, Erica Wheeler uh, reportedly has signed with the L.A. Sparks and good for her because I think it's it's definitely the L.A. The Sparks had to make some moves with the departure of Candace Parker and they've got to kind of try to move some pieces around. I'll get to Vegas in a minute. But um, what's going on in Indiana? Candace Dupree apparently not signing there, according to reports. What's on Indiana's plate right now? Yeah, Christina Williams had put that out about Dupree. They so far they've signed Jantel Lavender and Danielle Robinson to three-year contracts. Now losing Wheeler, you know that that fallout really stems back to Chelsea Gray ends up moving on. But because Chelsea Gray went to Vegas, in part they got a chance to sign D. Rob. These are pretty big commitments to Lavender and Robinson, and I think the fever you do up with the fever you have to ask. Where, where are you going in the near term here? 
with some of these teams taking a step forward, I, I think whether, whether they're really dead set on trying to make the playoffs or not, I think they're going to have to come to grips with here. You got to play these young players, see what you got. And it, it's just going to, they're going to have to continue to take, take a pretty patient approach as they continue to build. Yeah, and I will mention um, on the Connecticut Sun front, um, Alyssa Thomas and Jasmine Thomas are both signing back on multi-year deals. Um, the Minnesota Lynx acquired uh, not only Natalia Chamwa, but Kayla McBride. I really like this team. I mean, let me tell you this. I love this team. From what we saw last year with Crystal Dangerfield and Nafisa Collier um, and adding to that a McBride, who we haven't seen the best from with injuries. And also I think just in terms of the system, um, I'm not sure that Vegas was the right fit for McBride. And so I'm excited about what Cheryl Reeve will do um, with Kayla McBride, especially because she reminds me so much in terms of basketball um, of Muffet McGraw, which Kayla McBride was way more a shooter, more, way more than a shooter when she was at Notre Dame. But to get to this final kind of major piece right now, and we'll cover more of free agency next week, everyone. So please continue to stay tuned. We are on a little bit limited time with Ben. Chelsea Gray going to Vegas. I mean, I feel like every year we say Vegas is loaded. And that was kind of your, your point of you were all over Vegas in your time and living there. Um, what have you learned about this move for Chelsea Gray that gives us insight into who Vegas will be next season? Well, I think, I think one thing that really stands out to this move is if you think about having to plan for the aces, when it really matters, they're going to be able to put, if they finalize the deal with Liz Cambage, who we mentioned was Cord, they're going to put five players on the floor when it really matters that you're really going to have to plan for. They don't have somebody that's just standing in the corner. They're going to shoot an open three. They don't have someone that maybe you're not going to worry about. You got Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum in that backcourt, Angel McCautry, Asia Wilson, and Liz Cambage with Dierka Hamby off the bench and maybe in some of those lineups too. It's, it's going to be a tremendous problem. And, and the Chelsea part of it is just someone you can play through. Late in the shot clock, go get us a bucket, run a pick and roll with one of these all-world bigs and just get us a good shot when we need it, continue to play with pace, which they've already done so well. They're, they're just going to have so much balance in just the way that you have to play for them. They're going to have advantages somewhere, multiple advantages to attack pretty much whenever they want. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. So much happening, but so much still going on, Ben. We appreciate your time with us. And I do want to get you back on once all this is finalized to talk the X and O's, which I know you love once these teams are completely reconfigurated and we can get an idea playing style of what may happen um, as moves are, are said and done. But thank you for educating me and all of us on what's happening in WNBA free agency. I keep telling everyone, I'm like, it is so hard to keep up with college and WNBA right now. So it's so great to have folks like you that are really just um, all over all aspects of it and keeping us informed. So thank you so much for your time. And we can't wait to have you back, man. Keep doing your thing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, basketball fans. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. 
We thank you so, so much for tuning in. Special thanks to Debbie Antonelli and Ben Dahl for joining us on the show today. We appreciate having them and them sharing their knowledge with all of us. Please, please, please keep up with us at Around the Rim. I am Tarika Foster Brasby, and I can be found at she knows sports underscore on Twitter, and really all social media. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson. You can follow our podcast at Around the Rim Pod. You can also send us an email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. We enjoy reading all of the messages that you guys send to us, and uh, we just enjoy having all kinds of interactions with our fans. So please continue to do that. Rate, subscribe, and review us if you have Apple Podcasts. We also enjoy reading reading the reviews that you leave there. So continue to do that and continue to support us. We appreciate you all and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.